All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Presented by Botano.ca. The game starts now at Botano. 19 plus. Please play responsibly. Pleased to welcome back to Daily Faceoff Live, Colby Cohen, former NHL player and current Chicago Blackhawks analyst. Colby, how are you doing? Good, Frank. I'm happy there was no overtime last night. No, uh, no marathoners. Yeah, no marathoners. Like some normal sleep for a change. It only took us until night nine of the Stanley Cup playoffs to get there. But let's break it all down. Let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock. And let's start with the idea that the Edmonton Oilers are in the driver's seat for the first time in this first round series with the Los Angeles Kings. They double up the Kings uh, on Tuesday evening by a 6-3 final. It was one of those games that the Oilers just kind of felt in control from Jump Street. I don't know if they're still sort of feeding off of the, the vibes that they had from that comeback in L.A., my question to you, Colby, is with the way the Kings have played to this point in the series, it sort of felt like some of the different wrinkles that the Kings had in their game previously 
the Oilers were able to iron some of those out, sneaking a Brett Kulak in for a shot on the D-zone coverage, things like that, that it feels like the Oilers now are in a much more comfortable place and have figured out the way the Kings play. What say you? Yeah, Frank, and I think another big thing is the neutral zone because you look at the way L.A. likes to play that 1-3-1. They play it well. They cheat back for dumps. They do such a nice job of isolating guys. But when you see that 1-3-1 night after night and you see that same neutral zone, good players are going to figure out ways around it, the short support plays, uh, not letting yourself get isolated to the wall, continuing to make sure you get center ice and middle ice this way you can go left you can go right and i just think you're seeing edmonton play with so much more speed through the neutral zone and it's just putting too much pressure uh, on the la kings because you you know the players on this edmonton oiler team are gonna hurt you now i'm not a big stats guy frank but there are some things that i kind of looked up and are kind of glaring and, and standing out to me. And this is a great board that we have up here because look at where all the goals came from last night. Obviously, you see Evander Kane's name on there, but two from Nick Bustead. Uh, you get Leon Dreisaitl. Hyman gets a goal. Kulak gets a goal. So they're getting depth scoring. Connor McDavid is not having five-point nights. That's a little bit scary because you know that's going to happen eventually. Now let's go back to the first period of game four. 3-0 LA Kings. Since that point, LA 11-4 has outscored, excuse me, Edmonton has outscored LA 11-4 over the last five periods. They got good saves from Skinner last night. I think Edmonton is, is in control of the series, and I know I've been long-winded here, but I think that 1-3-1 in the neutral zone has been broken down, and that's going to be LA's Achilles heel. Yeah, two potentially scary points for the LA Kings. You mentioned one of them. Uh, McDavid not on the score sheet in a huge way this series, but if you watch, you know, especially the first period of last night's game, for instance, you saw him able to create a lot more through that middle, uh, turning some guys around, finding, with everyone focused on him, finding some open teammates as well. That's one thing. And it also seems like the Oilers have punctured the aura of invincibility that existed a little bit around Jonas Corposalo. Both teams have now had the backup enter the series for a period of time. Corposalo had been really pretty good for the bulk of the series to this point. And then, of course, they end up going to Copley. So something uh, interesting to watch out for as this series shifts back to L.A. for Game 6. Let's talk about the Dallas Stars who blanked the Minnesota Wild. Uh, the Stars, this has been such a roller coaster series. Um, but the Stars also seem like they felt a little bit more comfortable uh, in their game against the Wild on uh, Tuesday evening. They just, I don't know if it's they've figured out how Minnesota plays or they know what to expect in terms of uh, the comfortability of the physicality or the physical nature of this series. But um, I think the really scary part for me for the Minnesota Wild is like what happens if they're able to then get Joe Pavelski back in the lineup as this series goes on? What about the emotional boost that that might provide for a Dallas team that can now close this out in game six? The Wild are on the ropes now. They were blanked. They're a team that had gone through stretches of time this season where they really struggled to score. What do you make of the Minnesota Wild and their deficit uh, to the Dallas Stars in this series now? Yeah, I think they're in trouble. I do not foresee them winning this series. I think they've had opportunities to kind of grab the series by the throat, which they haven't done. 
And you look at the scoring difference, really, between Dallas and Minnesota, the names. And how about Matt Boldy with no goals? And, you know, Nyquist was a good trade deadline acquisition. He cannot be that high up your board. You need other players to be contributing more frequently, uh, more poignantly. And, you know, you, you look at Jake Ottinger. He's been unbelievable at times in this series. He gets a shutout last night. He lets in two goals on 30-plus shots in Game 4. So I think Dallas is kind of off to the races right now. And Tyler Sagan has been great. Four goals in this series. He won a Stanley Cup with Boston in 2011. So he does know what it takes uh, to win this time of year. And I do think a guy like him is looking and saying, I'm running out of chances to kind of do this and be in a more leading role. You know, in 2011, Tyler spent times with me in the press box as a healthy scratch for the Boston Bruins and not in the lineup. So I think this is an opportunity for him with that supporting cast of Robertson, of Hints, of Haskin, and guys like that to really step up. So I think Dallas is going to kind of put their foot down on this series, and I think they're actually going to beat Minnesota in Minnesota for Game 6 also, who's Minnesota playing in goal, Frank? Now you have a little bit of that up in the air. I don't ever think that that's a good thing in the playoffs. Yeah, where's Kirill Kaprizov? Him and Matt Boldy combined for 71 goals during the regular season. You see on here, Kaprizov doesn't even make the board. He's got one point in the series, one goal. So between the two of them, Boldy and Kaprizov, just one goal scored. There's no chance the Wild can win without Kaprizov being a factor in the series. Yeah, and I love Matt Boldy, by the way. I really do. I think he's going to be a heck of a player in this league for a long time. But three assists through the beginning of this series, it's just it's not acceptable. This is when you have to step up. Yeah, so one other team that I think a lot of people were lacking belief on of late, the New York Islanders, they forced Game 6 with their Game 5 win in Carolina. Carolina stubs its toe again when they have a chance to really make life easy on themselves. That's been the story of their playoffs the last few years. They have a chance to make it a short series, get some rest. Uh, probably not going to get any of their injured guys back, but turn, like we were just talking about the stress level of watching the playoffs. Take the stress level down for your team, and the Carolina Hurricanes aren't able to do that as the Islanders, uh, as mentioned, force a game six. Uh, on home ice now, do you give the Islanders a legitimate chance to come back against this Carolina Hurricanes team after they appeared to be dead in the water for a stretch? Nope, I definitely don't. And that's even with Barzell starting to find his legs a little bit and, and carry the puck through the neutral zone. And I'll tell you why, Frank. First off, the back end of the Hurricanes, to me, it's just too good. Um, they've got too many good players. They've got Pesci. They've got Burns. They've got Brady Shea. Um, you know, Shane Gostisphere, I know he's been a little bit of a game time decision, you know, dealing with some different things, but it, it's, it's a really good group on the back end. And I think you can cover up for what they're missing up front based on the fact that they had the highest scoring D in the NHL. I think they had uh, 70 plus goals come from the back end this season, which led the NHL. And I just think they're too structured. You know, you're playing the New York Islanders that are known as the structured team, right? Well, then you become the Carolina Hurricanes. They're faster. They've got a more dynamic back end. Um, and I, honestly, I think that they're more well coached. I think Rod Brindamore has more experience behind the bench as a head coach. I think he's been in these moments as a player and a coach. I think he knows 
in-game adjustments as well as any coach in the NHL. Uh, you see him do different things, draw up different face-off plays that they've executed well on the power play. I think the inevitable is is you know being delayed. I do not think the Islanders have a chance. And ultimately, I just never really thought the Islanders were going to win this series. Yeah, so, okay, let's spin this forward a bit. The Canes are able to close out the Islanders in game six. Given the issues that they have with their injured forwards up front and more than just forwards, their injured scorers, do you give the Island or do you give the Hurricanes, excuse me, a chance against the Rangers or the Devils, whichever team emerges from that series? I don't. I think that the team that wins that series will continue on into the Eastern Conference Finals. And I think the next round is where not having the scoring is going to catch up with them. You know, you're missing Pasharetti, you're missing Svechnikov, you're missing Taravainen. As these rounds get along, you need game breakers who, in a game where nothing's happening for 55 minutes, can make one play and can change a game or end a game. And they do not have that up front. And I think that's ultimately, Frank, going to be their Achilles heel in the next round. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. And to take it even a step further than if that were to indeed be the case that plays out, the Carolina Hurricanes are going to have some real interesting questions to ask themselves this summer with a couple guys who are in need of extensions, a couple guys who are getting older. You know, this core has been together for a long time, and a lot of them now are reaching that 28, 29-year-old age range where you have to start to make some of these decisions. So I think the Canes kind of thought this would be their year. They've been hit with some unfortunate, untimely injuries, and now there's going to be, you know, again, some questions to ask on the back end of it. Let's talk about the Seattle Kraken and the Colorado Avalanche. This has been one of the surprise series in the playoffs to this point. Uh, the gumption that the Kraken have shown, they've been in the face of the Avs basically the entire time to this point. The series stands all square. You've got Game 5, a potentially pivotal Game 5, going at 9.30 p.m. Eastern uh, tonight. What do you make of the Kraken and where they're at in this series? And now that the Avs are missing both Kale McCarr due to his one-game suspension and, of course, Valerie Nichushkin, who's been away from the team for personal reasons, do you look at this Avs lineup any differently, knowing also that on the other end of it, Jared McCann likely out for Game 5 for the Kraken? So, yeah, Frank, uh, you have to look at it differently because you're talking about Kale McCarr here. You know, obviously, Nishushkin important, but I think they can make up for missing Val Nishushkin. When you're missing Kale McCarr, it's completely different. You have to look at the roster different. But I actually do not think they lose tonight on home ice, game five. And I'll tell you why. You still got Devon Taves, you've got Bowen Byram. Um, Gerard, I mean, there's still Josh Manson. You still have a group of guys that have been there, done that. And they're going to look at this opportunity that you're missing a star player. I need to step up my game. I think that sometimes is a rally call for an NHL team, especially when you lose a guy like Kale McCarr. And look, up front, you still got Rottenen, who's scoring goals at will. McKinnon still has the opportunity to take over a game at any point. You showed he's got six points already in the series. I know it's not called the Pepsi Center anymore, but I'm going to call it the Pepsi Center anyway. It's going to be rocking tonight. Uh, those fans really come out in droves. They, they, they're loud. They're on top of you in Denver. 
Um, I just don't see Seattle getting through this series. Although, look, um, I think this has been an up and down year for Colorado. Obviously, we saw where they were until they made that late season charge. But at the end of the day, um, I think that they're going to win without Makar and Nishushkin tonight. And those are my reasons why. Yeah, you know, first off, it's called Ball Arena, by the way. Um, I, I would say I actually look at the Kraken differently than I do the Avs because Jared McCann was their leading scorer by a, such a wide margin this year, 40 goals. The next closest teammate had 24. And, you know, he was also their leading point getter this year. The Avs demonstrated for a chunk of this season, almost a quarter of it, that they can play without Kale McCarr and survive. I don't know that we've seen the Kraken demonstrate that they can withstand a loss of that magnitude. And so the same point that you made about the rallying cry for a team when they're missing one of their big guns, you could make the same you know case for the Kraken. Although in this case, I just think it further to me exploits the difference in depth that these two teams have on paper. But I think this series in particular has been a reminder that whatever is on paper you can kind of throw that out the window when you get to the playoffs. The Kraken have been stout in just about every category, and they've gotten better goaltending from Philip Grubauer in this revenge tour, and they've scored the first goal every game. Like These things are kind of piling up. That well, The message I get, at least, is the Abs better take care of business while they can. They don't want to be trailing 3-2 in the series going back to Seattle and Climate Pledge Arena. Colby, uh, didn't get a chance to tease it off the top of the show, but uh, we have our first trade targets board of the offseason for some of these teams. So let's unveil that now on this week's edition of the Icebreakers. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Well, Frank, in your world, it's never too uh, early to start talking about this stuff. And this week's edition of Icebreakers is presented by Boston Pizza and their new Fanalytics menu. 
pizza flights, deep fried pickle wedges, and beer mosas. There's no better place to watch the Stanley Cup playoffs than at your local Boston pizza. Well, Frank, Eric Carlson, uh, probably going to win the Norris Trophy this year. I think David Quinn called him the best player he's ever coached in his career. He's the number one player on your trade targets board this offseason. How do you win the Norris Trophy and then end up number one in Frank Saravalli's doghouse of a trade trade board? <laughs> well, how do you know it's the doghouse? I mean, Carlson is probably looking forward to a trade. He at least verbalized as much. He wants a chance to win. So for him, I think that this would be refreshing to be at the top of the list after being sort of in the 10 spot uh, as we hit the trade deadline. And the reason that he's in the number one spot is because I think if there's ever a chance that Eric Carlson gets moved with the contract that he has as the highest paid defenseman in the league at 11 and a half million bucks for each of the next four seasons, it's this summer. It's probably not going to happen again in terms of a chance. You heard Mike Greer already verbalize this offseason at locker cleanout day for the Sharks that they are uh, certainly going to uh, engage in conversation again and are, are ready, willing, and able to trade Eric Carlson. They'd like the cap flexibility. I think they poorly calculated the value of uh, getting Eric Carlson's contract off their books as they embark on what is sure to be a long rebuild. And so they need to probably change some of their expectations. And I would expect that after the season, Carlson had 101 points, a magical year, uh, the first 100-point defenseman since Brian Leach way back in 1992, that teams would probably be willing to step up now and engage in that conversation in a different way. It's it's a lot different and more easy of a conversation to have. Not saying this won't be complicated, but to have it in the offseason while you're still putting everything together as opposed to the regular season where you know, you'd have to shed a legitimate amount of salary, whether it's seven and a half million bucks or nine million bucks, whatever it is for Eric Carlson to fit him onto your team. Because the cap has been so tight, you know, in season, that means taking that much off of your team, so to speak. So uh, a much better chance this time around. And I'm really curious to see how that market develops, how many teams might be in the mix. Yeah, Frank, and you almost got to wonder if potentially a third party has to get involved because we are talking about such a massive contract with some term left. It's not one season. So that'll be an interesting one, one that I will actually be probably most interested in tracking. Uh, but we'll keep this moving along here. Uh, the Calgary Flames and Elias Lindholm, he sits at number four. This is a huge summer for the Flames. A little bit of upheaval in Calgary yesterday announced that they're getting a $1.2 billion new building, probably thanks to Mackenzie Weger and his comments. What's the latest in Calgary, Frank? You know, this is a difficult one to handicap because we also don't know who's going to be the next general manager of the Calgary Flames. Don Maloney's in place now as the president of Hockey Ops. And by the way, we also don't officially know, the Flames haven't said it, Will Daryl Sutter be back as head coach? And that, to me, has an enormous impact on the future of Elias Lindholm in Calgary. There's a handful of players, I believe, that went to flame, the Flames management as part of exit interviews to express their frustration and disappointment in terms of uh, you know, a future with Daryl Sutter behind the Flames bench. 
And I don't know for 100% certainty that Elias Lindholm was part of that group. However, I think we can read between the lines in his comments at some of those locker cleanout interviews where he was one of the players to really express what I would call some hesitation when it comes to the question of, will you be re-signing with the Calgary Flames this summer when he's eligible? That's a really critical question to ask both Lindholm, Backlund, and Noah Hannafin on the back end. Three critical pieces for this team. And I can tell you this, if Elias Lindholm is not going to re-sign in Calgary, I don't know how they could possibly enter the season with him on their roster. It would make sense to move him this summer. And there will be a whole host of teams that are interested for such a complete player who's shown when he is playing with the right players is an elite dominant force in the NHL and also has that 200 foot game to go with it. So uh, there would be no shortage of interest to get Lindholm on what is a really inexpensive contract relatively this summer, but can't, you know, sort of rocket him up the list just yet until we know the answers on the coach and the GM in Calgary, but he's certainly a name to watch. Yeah, Frank, I think that uh, when you look at his game and you look at what he makes, he probably is the easiest player to get the big return on, especially in the guys that you have listed, just based on contractual status and other factors. Now, another name on this board that I'm pretty surprised to see because I mentioned him earlier in this show, talking about his opportunity to step up tonight for his team in Colorado, Samuel Gerrard. Why are we seeing... Samuel Gerrard on this list, Frank, this one, this one caught me off guard a little bit. Yeah. So it's a good question. And when you think about Sam Gerrard and his impact, um, I, I don't think he's a player that the Colorado avalanche sort of want to move, so to speak in a perfect world, they'd have all these guys coming back and be able to take another run at it. But when you look at Nathan McKinnon and his contract extension that kicks in, he legitimately doubles his salary from 6.3 to 12.6 million. And then you look at all the other guys on the Avs roster that are unsigned heading into next year. Um, you know, Landis Cog, you'd expect to be at full health. They've got $70 million already committed to next season's roster, and they still basically have to fill out essentially half of their positions. They've got uh, nine forwards that uh, do not have contracts for next season as well as three defensemen. So um, you, you sort of mash all that together and you, you do the math and you say nine or 10 positions that you need to fill out on your roster and you only have, call it 13, $15 million at the very most that you're able to spend on the cap. That's gonna be really hard to do and keep everyone together. And I think when you look at this back end, you've got McCarr at 9 million bucks. And yes, Eric Johnson, his money comes off the books, but Josh Manson at four five and Devon Taves at four one. Um, there's gonna be an odd man out somewhere. And I think Sam Girard is probably gonna end up being that guy, especially, you know, I know there's been some concussion issues, but you know, I think the Avs, you know, give them some truth serum. They'd probably prefer to have Bowen Byram and his ability and at his age point uh, versus uh, Sam Girard and certainly lots of value in Sam Girard that they can get back in, in pick capital as well. So, uh, Colby, that'll do it for uh, this week's edition of Icebreakers. Appreciate you taking over as host. And uh, for the full top 20 of our newest trade targets board, head over to dailyfaceoff.com later today.
All right, Cole, time for our uh, daily face-off inbox question of the day, hashtag AskDFO. And my question for you is, of the teams that are down 3-1, so that's Florida, Winnipeg, and Tampa, which team has the best shot at coming back? Well, I don't think any of them come back, but if I'm going to put my eggs in one basket, it has to be Tampa Bay. And the reason for that being Vasilevsky. And the reason for that being the Toronto Maple Leafs and their history and three to one and not been a, a friendly score to them uh, throughout the last decade or so. I think going back to that that series collapse in Boston, uh, amongst other things. So at the end of the day, though, Frank, I, I just I don't think any of those teams are coming back from being down three to one. Um, but if I had to put my money somewhere, always go with Tampa Bay. Yeah, so I'm with you. I don't think it happens for Winnipeg or Florida. But I will say this. I think game five is so absolutely critical for the Toronto Maple Leafs to close this out. You lose game five on home ice. All of a sudden, you're going back to Tampa. Anyone could kind of foresee them winning one game in Tampa to force game seven. And then all of a sudden, all the demons start creeping out from under the Toronto Maple Leafs <laughs> beds again. And, I, you know, it's... It sounds crazy to think about, but like there was so much celebrating that I was like, I, you know, I was kind of like, did the Leafs win the series already? And I missed it. Like I, I couldn't, you know, if you were to like sort of put in perspective of like the explosion from the fan base and I get the comeback was huge. All those things, such a big moment for that team to break through with the Austin Matthews signature moment. I was like, what team on earth would their fan base other than in Toronto be celebrating the fact that they got to three wins? Like I don't have a, an answer it's, for it's you. A fair, it's, it's, it's really a fair point, but uh, what I would tell you is, is this isn't the Tampa Bay team that we've necessarily seen the last couple of years. They've got some injuries. We don't know how healthy Point is after that the other night with Morgan Riley. We don't know how healthy Hedman is. He missed a game earlier in the series, and for him to miss a game something had to be pretty wrong with him. So, you know, ultimately, I think this is the Leafs' year to finally get through. But at the end of the day, if you're asking me to bet, that's that's the easy one. Yeah, and uh, NHL history, it's not exactly uncommon for teams to force a Game 7 being down 3-1. 12% of teams in league history, according to the math, have actually come all the way back and won it. A lot more than that have forced Game 7. So uh, certainly a lot on the line for the Toronto Maple Leafs on Thursday evening. Let's get to Tyler Remchuk and our Batano Daily Bet segment. Tyler, how you doing? What do you got? Ah, I missed on my two plays last night. I missed them each by, well, one. It was one goal I needed in mini Dallas, one more shot I needed from Matt Barzell, and I would have hit both of them. But missed the two parlays, so today I'm going with two straight bets for you taking the Boston Bruins. Our friends at Batano and Batano.ca, they have the line at plus money to get the Bruins on the puck line, and I love this spot. Listen, if they get some of their forwards back like Bergeron and Krejci, that's even better. I think even without them, they're probably going to put this series away tonight. Linus Allmark is expected to be the starter for the Bruins as well. I think they can put this one away. I think the Bruins at minus one and a half in an elimination game where teams will tend to be a little bit more aggressive with the goalie pull if the game's tight as well. I love getting a little greedy and going with the puck line in this one. And my shot prop tonight is, heard Colby talking about him, Devon Taves. His line is set at two and a half and it's paying a very juicy plus 132 on Batano. First off, he's hit this in two of his four playoff games so far. 
Secondly, with Kale McCarr out, I went and checked daily faceoff and the line combos. Taves is going to slide into that top power play unit spot for the Avalanche. So potentially some extra chances for him to rip some pucks on net. The line at two and a half, he's hit it in two of four. I'm getting a good payout. That's my second play for tonight, Frank. I love on Batano.ca, you can also see everyone's full name. Like, I had no idea that until right now that JT Confer stood for Joseph Taylor Confer. So there you go. Our, our friends at Batano.ca, an absolute <laughs> font of knowledge. Uh, Colby, that brings us to garbage time. And look, Will Farrell has been one of the stories of the season in L.A. His bromance with uh, Phoenix Copley was really fun to watch. And everyone's been keyed in on the different face paint that Will Farrell has had sitting on the glass at Crypto.com Arena. But how about as the series shifts back to Edmonton, an Oilers fan, well, he had his own idea of what that might look like <laughs> in Oilers colors. So absolutely wow. love to see it. Uh, Will Farrell, as the NHL says, you have met your match. I was kind of curious the whole time whether or not he was even able to like literally match the hat, which is so awesome. But I was wondering if Will Farrell Colby, you think was doing this to sort of blend in among the, the general folk and, and not stand out as Will Farrell, or was this just part of the shtick? What do you think? I think Will Farrell's never going to blend in. If you've ever seen him live and up personal, he is a large uh, human being. So you're first off going to stare at him because he's a large human being, such a big dude. And then all of a sudden you're like, wait a sec, that's Will Farrell. So I don't think any way he plays it, he's going to blend in. I think he's funny. I think he's bringing attention to the game. He's showing everybody how big a fan he is. And can we just appreciate the jackets for both of these guys? Those are like old school throwback. Like that looks like something my father would have worn to the one of our hockey games when we were little kids, Frank, like the Fila one piece jumpsuits. So can we just we just have to t take a second to appreciate the look that these guys are going for. Great point. Those jackets are awesome. Way to go, Cole. Uh, that'll do it for today's edition of Daily Faceoff Live. Two games on the slate tonight. The Boston Bruins can become the first team to punch their ticket to round two of the Stanley Cup playoffs. We'll see if the Colorado Avalanche or Seattle Kraken can grab hold of that series as well. We'll be back 12 noon Eastern on Thursday. You know where to find us. Until then, have a great day and enjoy the games, everyone. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more 
and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.